Welcome to today's online message from Long Eaton Oasis Christian Centre. We are a church at the heart of the community, with a heart for the community. And we're so glad that you've joined us. We hope that you'll be inspired and encouraged today. Please don't hesitate to contact us. If you want to find out more, you can visit our website, www.longeatonoasis.co.uk, or you can direct message us. This morning we're going to take up our continuous theme that we're looking at together. You might like to turn to the book of Ezra and Ezra uh, chapter 3. And I'm going to take a few, uh, just a few moments as we continue in a theme that we're taking as a church called the heart of worship. And this morning I want to take up the priority of worship. And uh, that's where we're going to go. And uh, last week introduced the heart of worship. This morning we're, we're looking at the priority of worship. And uh, I want to read from Ezra chapter 3. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled as one man in Jerusalem. Then Jeshua, son of Josadak, and his fellow priest, and Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, and his associates began to build the altar of God, of the God of Israel, to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord both in the morning and the evening sacrifices. Then in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented their regular burnt offerings and for the new moon sacrifices and the sacrifices for all the appointed sacred feasts of the Lord, as well as those brought as freewill offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundations of the Lord's temple had not yet been built. Then they gave money for the masons and carpenters and gave food and drink and oil at the people of the uh, to the people of Sidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa, as authorised by Cyrus, king of Persia. Cyrus, king of Persia. Amazing. And uh, that's why, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that another time. I won't do that now. In the second month of the second year, after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, uh, and the rest of the brothers and the priests and the Levites and all had returned from the captivity to, uh, to Jerusalem began the work of appointing the Levites 20 years of age and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Jeshua and his sons and brothers and Cadmiel and his sons and descendants uh, and Horavia and his sons and Hanadad and his sons and brothers, all Levites, joined together in supervising those working in the house of God. When the builders had laid the foundation of the temple to the Lord, the priests and their vestments uh, 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 with, and with trumpets 
And the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His, his love to Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. They thought it was lesser. The, the past was greater than what they were seeing. That's what was happening. And while many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made such a noise and the sound was heard far away. Last week I shared that at the very heart of worship is the human heart. Your heart, my heart, is at the heart of worship. We're embarking on a series as we look together at worship. What is worship? How do we worship? Why do we worship? And uh, I shared, began to share this, and, and last Sunday when we were together, we looked at the heart and treasure. And this morning I want to just take up the theme of priority. I, I've, I would say this, I would suggest to you that worship, I would define worship as um, the, our abandoned heart in the hands of a loving father and a loving God. Your worship is more than, we've, we've deduced that it's more than singing songs. Songs are part of worship. It's wonderful to be able to sing in worship. It's a beautiful thing. And music and psalms and poems and reading out the scriptures. But worship ultimately is about all about the heart. To love God with all our heart. We've, we've looked at that last week. And so today I would say to you that um, to worship it's, is the abandoned heart in the hands of an all-loving God, giving God our lives, in other words. And so we want to take a few moments to just look at this priority, the priority to give our lives to God, the priority of worship. In other words, the priority of giving our whole hearts and lives to him. In the account that we've just read, a man, a king called Cyrus, a Persian king. This is why I feel that today so many, I mean, it's great to have Medi in the life of church who got baptised on Easter Sunday, an Iranian, a Persian, himself a Persian. So I, I believe Cyrus did something quite amazing when he released the people of God. He, re, he released Persia to be touched by the Holy Spirit in the most profound way. Many Iranians becoming Christians around the world. Ancient Elam. It's, it's an incredible story in itself. And Cyrus... Uh, at, at, there was a point when the um, northern and southern kingdoms, the Jewish people, the Israelite nation were a nation no more. And they were taken into captivity initially by the Babylonians and then the Persians. The Persian Empire overran the Babylonian Empire, the areas of Iraq and Syria and the areas of Iran today. That whole area was a Persian Empire and, um, and Egypt. And um, it was under his rule and they were all taken into captivity and in Cyrus's reign, this king, he released the people, the Israelite people, to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple, to restore worship. And so the, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah pick up this theme of the returning people, 
the Israelite people coming back to restore Jerusalem and to restore the temple. And in the account that we read in chapter 3, we see straight away is that, that what they, the people do is they, they fix the altar, the place of worship in place, even before the temple had been built and even before they, they, they saw to the walls of the, of the city. The very first thing that the people do after they get settled, after a number of months of settling back in the area of, of Palestine, of, of, of Israel, of Canaan, rather, um, is that they restore worship. And so we see that the morning and evening sacrifice is restored. And, there is this, and, and after 70 years of captivity, of, of without being able to worship and access through the sacrificial system of worship, they, they restore worship. It, it's, it's quite a momentous and amazing occasion and an amazing point. And then they, they, later on in that chapter, they start to, to set their task of the temple. But the very first thing that they do is that they restore the altar. The altar was a, a, a raised place uh, built with uncut stone uh, where the sacrifice was placed and then uh, lit and the, the incense would come before God morning and night, morning and night. And the altar was the place of worship and sacrifice. They rebuilt it, they repaired it and they, 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 it says it there that they put it, set it on its foundations. They placed it in the exact place where it was specified in, in Solomon's time. The exact, it had to be, as it was written, the exact place that was specified at a certain place, and they were that specific that it was placed there. And the day and night sacrifice was restored. This, this at the very heart of the Israelite people was that this understanding that we must have, God must be at the centre of our hearts and lives. This is, this is the picture that's being painted here. I, I, it, this happened several thousand years ago. But the principle that is in place here is this. That even before they rebuilt, you think, well, build the temple. Get the temple, get the walls up. Then we'll get it all in place so we can sacrifice. They're very, and it was, they, they were afraid of the marauding people around them. They got the, the altar in place so that they could sacrifice, so that they could worship I don't know about you and life. Sometimes we say, well, you know, I'll get my house, I'll get my job, you know, get married, my life, then I'll worship God. Or I'm very busy at the moment. There's a lot going on in my life. I've got, I've got a lot happening and then I'll do. The very priority that we, we learn, we learn this is about the, and the altar, what was a physical altar, now for you and I, God's, Jesus said, worship Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That altar now is, is our hearts in the New Testament, in the lives today. And so we see this. Now, it's interesting that in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus talks about priorities when he says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be given you. Jesus talks about priority, priority of your heart, the priority of our worship. Tugging on my heart and my life today is this. It's where is your heart and where are your priorities and where are my priorities? Three things I want to just look at very briefly then regarding this. And this is the principle, the principle of priority. The priority of our hearts is, is what I want to look at this morning. And the first thing is this that we see from this account. They put the altar in place. 
They, they made the right place. They made the space. That was the first thing they did. They put the altar in place. They put worship at the very centre. They made the place. And for you and I, it's to give a place, put in place our hearts. Put God, put our hearts and lives in the right place. To put, uh, open our hearts to God. Uh, to make space, to, to put in place our hearts and in, in the sense that we give our hearts and lives to God. Before all things, before all things, they put the altar in place. Before they built the temple, before they did the walls, they put the altar in place. Before all things in life, before everything, Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And this is the most amazing thing. Everything in life will be given you. I don't know about you, but in my life, I think, well, oh, and it's not wrong to say, I need to tend to my life. You do. I need to work. We do. I need to do. You do. But in perspective, in the grand scheme of eternity and of life, God calls us to, to bring our hearts first. And before all things, the first thing we've got to do is put in place our hearts before God. This, what we learn here from this is our hearts, our worship, our lives, our giving of our lives to God is central. It's core. Uh, put it another metaphor, it's the bottom line. Before It's foundational. It's the very centre of our lives and our hearts is to give our hearts in place. There is a thing today where it's at the side. It's something I do when I can, when I've got time, when I've got space. I'll fit it in. And there is this almost, if we don't, if we don't make God centre, if we don't, Jesus encourages us to. In fact, he taught us, seek first his kingdom. First things first. And everything else God will give us. If we don't do this, then it will be like we're fitting God in. It will almost be like I'm fitting God in. And we don't fit God in, but we are fixed in God. God's centre. God's centre. God very, very centre. And we see this with Ezra, that the first thing that the people did was that they put the altar in place and they restored worship. For you and I, the first thing of our hearts and lives is to give God our hearts and lives. That's worship, to give God your life. This is my heart, God. This is my life. First thing. Second thing that uh, we see is this. Um, you, you, you have to clear away the debris. They would have cleared away the debris and found the exact spot, as it were, because this altar would have been destroyed by the Babylonians and it would have been just a mess. They cleared away the debris and as they cleared away the debris, then they put the altar in place. Something about fires. You know, when you light a fire, each day you would have to clear away yesterday's fire. The ash. If you can remember having a coal fire. Remember the days when you had a coal fire? Not many, some of us did. <laughs> some of you do. When you, whoever it was, if it was your turn to do the clearing of the grate, you can't light a fire when there's yesterday's ash. It has to be cleared away. The debris has to be cleared. I don't know about you, but in my life, in my life there's been, as a Christian, I've known some great fires. I've known the Holy Spirit in my life. But I can't live back there. It's today. I don't know about you, maybe you, people have poured cold water. Maybe you've, you've had stuff go wrong in your life and it's like carnage. It's just all debris. 
We have to clear away sometimes the ash and the debris of the things that have gone in our lives. I don't know about for you, may, may, you know, we have to give it to God and, and, and let him, the Holy Spirit, come and breathe upon us so that he might clear the heart. Uh, so, you know, in our lives today, there's, there's so much ash, there's so much stuff, there's so much stuff going on. I find with so many people today, so many Christians don't seem to feel the sense and, and be in the flow of what God wants for their lives. We're talking as a church about being in the flow of God this year, getting into the flow, not drifting, but being in his flow. Then you, you have to, we have to, there are some things that we will have to clear. Some of the stuff that's taking up our lives. Today's fire won't light if we live off yesterday's ash, if the ash is there. And, and so that's exactly what they did. They cleared away the ash. I don't know about you today. What is there for you today that you need to clear? What is there that you might need to clear in your life? Is there something you need to give? Is there something you need to give up on? Is there something you need to be released from? Is there something that's hurting you? That you, that you just need God's healing hand on. When we're talking about clearing, then it might be that the Holy Spirit wants to come and heal. You know, is it something we're holding on to from the past, maybe? But they cleared away and they put the altar in place and said, to me and you, this is my heart, Lord. This is today. This is my life. This is my, this is my life. Take me today. And maybe you're in that place. Maybe we're in that place. And I know for me that for me, each day, and I've, I've, said, it's, I've said it here in church, usually for me it's in the shower first thing in the morning that might bring my heart before God. And, and as Sylvia rightly was leading us in being thankful, it's, in, it's usually in the shower. I just thank God. Thank God today. And to me, it's like I'm, my heart's just being touched and cleared. I don't know. Every day. Every day. It's a simple little thing, but it's quite an amazing thing. And maybe we've got to bring our hearts before him. Third thing. You know, when we make God center, put in place the altar of our lives, when we clear the debris, then the third thing that we do is we're in a position to put on the sacrifice. And that's what they did. They cleared the altar. They made it their priority. Everybody was assembled. They cleared it. They put on the wood and the, the, and the kindling, and then they placed the sacrifice. Then they lit, and the, it rose as an aroma, morning and night, morning and night, before God. And so, too, with you and I, there's, you know, being a Christian, it, it calls for sacrifice. It really does. It calls us to, to give our lives. Jesus gave his life. Jesus, if Jesus gave his life, he calls us to give our lives and he gives us life. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's remarkable. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. But it calls us to sacrifice, it, 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 to give our lives. I've touched on this so much that in the age in which we live, it's an age to get, to consume. Our GDP, our gross domestic product, is based about consuming as a nation. It's the way that it's geared up. It's incredible, isn't it? And so we're in a consumer society. So it's, it's what we get, what we get, what we get, what we get. But God calls us to seek first. It's a completely different worldview. To give our lives to him. And then he says, and all these things you need will be given you. It's incredible, isn't it? It's amazing. And we're called... To give our lives as a living sacrifice. The whole of life. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. 
to give our lives as a living sacrifice. Our worship is lives given as living sacrifices. That's our daily worship. Interestingly, when David, King David in the Old Testament was confronted, he said, I will not give God that which costs me nothing. David was a man of worship, wrote many of the Psalms, a great king of the line of the Messiah. And yet David said this, he was a man accredited with a heart after God. He said, I will not give God that which costs me nothing. He understood the power of giving his all. And for you and I today, we're called to give our very all. And when we give ourselves away to him, amazingly, God gives himself away to us. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. You know, in that journey of sacrifice, uh, we're called, uh, you know, to um, dedication. The sacri- if, we, if, we, if, we, if we could sort of get, put some flesh on the sacrifices, we're, we're to dedicate ourselves. When we talk about sacrifice, to dedicate our lives. Dedicate, to say, you know, there's a song that we sing. I've decided to follow Jesus. How's it going, the next bit? Exactly, no turning back. No turning back. No turning back. That's a dedication. That's a decision, a dedication, isn't it? I've decided. When, when I moved from Newcastle upon time to come to Long Eaton 15 years ago, we dedicated our lives no turning back. There was no, and at times we felt in the very, in my first year, like I sort of wanted to go back. But we said, no turning back. The road ahead is where we're going to give our lives to Jesus. And, you know, for you and I, it's, it's, it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful hymn. I have decided there's no turning. Jesus, it says, when he saw Jerusalem, he set his face like a flint He was not turning back, but he saw what was ahead of him, the cross, his death, his resurrection, what he could see ahead of him. And for you and I, it's a dedication. And when we talk of sacrifice, it's as you and I saying, I'm giving my life to you, Jesus. Take my life. All of it. Take it all. He will give you the strength and energy. You'll feel like turning back. You'll feel like giving up. Of course we will. Of course you do. But he will give you, he said, I send you the Holy Spirit to be with you and in you so you don't have to turn back. The road ahead, the road ahead. How amazing is that? But we're called to dedicate. Perhaps today, for some of us, there's a rededication. Just as on that day, over 2,000, 2,500 years ago, more than 2,500 years ago, the Israelites rededicated themselves to God. They put in place their centre of worship, their hearts before God, their lives. Maybe there's today, you and I, me being called to rededicate ourselves to him today and say, I'm giving myself afresh to you, no turning back. Maybe there's a need for that this morning for our lives. Second thing I'd say is this, and we'll be coming to a close in a moment, is uh, devotion. You know, in the dedicate, that point of saying, I'm, I give you my life, I'm not turning back, help me, Holy Spirit, the dedication. Then there comes the walking out of that dedication, devotion. And this is where we will be challenged. There's a rhythm. It's coming again and again. And again, it says that there was the morning and evening sacrifice, day after day after day after day after day. That's devotion. Lots of people can make a decision. I wonder if the decision is a dedication. 
The dedication is founded on a devotion, and that's a rhythm. That's a rhythm of coming again and again. There's an ebb and there's a flow. I did a, some years ago, I did a, a, a season about uh, the rhythm, the rhythm of life, finding the heartbeat of God. And there is something about, there's, the, there's an ebb and flow. So that you'll have days in, in the, um, the ebb where you won't feel like you're a Christian. You won't feel God's presence. Things might be going wrong in life. There's, a bit of a, there's an ebb. But we come, but rhythm has ebb and flow. Even with a heartbeat, there's, there's the, the uptick and the downtick, isn't there? Well, we, we, we hope, we pray that that's what we have. That's what, that, there's a rhythm, there's rhythm. And, and so, so, it, so in your life and my life, there, there, there can be uptick and downtick on life. And I'm not saying that lightly, because I know um, in this auditorium right now, there'll be... There's pain. You're here this morning, and God bless you, because, but you've got things going on in life. But as we come again, and this is the thing about rhythm, that there will be an uptick in life. There is a flow of God. There is the heartbeat of God, the power of God, the love of God, the grace of God. It comes within that rhythm. And so, so this is the thing that throws us. We, we dedicate, so there's no turning back. And there comes a down point in life. And, but if we don't have a rhythm of coming back again, this is my life, Lord. I'm on the floor. Pick me up. I'm tripped up. It's a mess. I need, I'm giving you my life. That's worship. It's coming again and again. And again, and again, and again. And dedication seeks us walking out in devotion. And the Holy Spirit comes and enlivens our heart and helps us as we seek to bring our lives in devotion before God. Now, an amazing thing, there comes a tremendous delight. There comes a tremendous delight in knowing God and being known by God. I was speaking with a pastor, some pastor friends and once you get with a bunch of other pastors, one of the things that can happen is we, we, can, we can all be a little bit insecure. What's happening in your church? What's happening in my church? What's happening in your part of the country? What's happening in my part of the country? And, it can all, and, you, and, you, and you, you can think, oh, oh my word, that's not happening here. Or that's not going on here. And, they, and it all can get a little bit. And that, this, it's wonderful. We encourage one another. But it can be this unsaid sort of... And, uh, and, and so this, this last year... This, in this last year, if I sort of wear my heart on my sleeve, uh, I'm learning to, um, I'm learning after sort of 30, 33 years in Christian ministry, 39 years being a Christian, so 39 years, to, I'm, I'm, Paul says, godliness with contentment is of great gain. I'm learning to find, and I'm not, the, not yeah, that, there yet, but I'm learning to find a peace of God where I have nothing to prove. And I'm saying to a pastor friend who was a bit stressed out, look, find the place where you have nothing to prove. Whatever you do, you do it for him. And I'm, I'm, beginning to, I'm, I'm on the beginning of the journey of seeing light at the end of the tunnel, finding this place where Paul says, godliness with contentment is of great gain. It's by, but it's found within a rhythm of worship. It's found within coming again, coming at the delight. What I'm saying is, I, I say that as a point of finding a delight in God you know, too many people, we're, we're worried about what others think. We're worried about what they've got. As we give, put God's center and come again and again, you find you come to a place where you know God, but you're also known by God. And you enter a place 
where you start to feel that you, you don't have to prove yourself to others. It's a beautiful place. Paul said, godliness with contentment is of great gain. Have a, have a look into that. It's a great place. So, so we're called to bring our lives to him today, bring our hearts, and this is what we do. Perhaps the worship team could come back. So this morning, we're being called to, um, the, the, uh, to put in place, make center our hearts and our, our lives as we give them to God, to clear away anything that would stand in the way of our hearts as we clear away the altar, and to place our sacrifice, give our lives, give afresh our all before him and our hearts. And if you, as we do that we will know a sense of the delight of knowing God but also being known by God let's give him our hearts afresh today shall we in Jesus name let's pray together God bless you thank you so much for being patient thank you for listening and uh, let's pray together